Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Land Grant Holy Land's Bucketheads podcast, episode 14, I believe. Um, we are the only basketball student podcast here in the Land Grant Holy Land family podcast, keeping you up to date on all the happenings and shenanigans and heartbreakers and heart stoppers of the Ohio State Buckeyes and other college basketball happenings. Um, keep in mind, we are one of the only basketball-focused podcasts in the SB Nation family site. So if you're into that kind of thing, follow along as we get going in the season. Um, we are recording this on Tuesday night. It is about 10.30. We just watched your Ohio State Buckeyes beat the Akron Zips 67-66 on a buzzer-beating layup from Zed Key. Justin, the Buckeyes were a second away from losing their first game of the season to another team that wears navy and gold. Yeah, I didn't make that connection until you just said it. Um, that might be something they need to look into in future scheduling. Just don't schedule any teams that wear navy and gold. Uh, but I've said this multiple times since the game, and I'll say it again, and I'll probably keep saying it because they're going to have some close games this year. Good teams find a way to win when everything's going against them. This was a game where most everything went against them. They did not play their best game. I don't think anybody would argue that. But they won the game against Akron, who I truly believe, after seeing them this year, it's going to be them or Buffalo to win the MAC. Um, the MAC is not a bad conference. Normally, the team that wins the MAC gives whoever they play in the tournament a tough time. Uh, so I do think that I think this game. I think we will look back on this game in February or March, barring Ohio State has a decent season, a little more fondly than we do now. Yeah, I mean, they had – I don't know what to think. I'm still, like, kind of processing it. Um, I just got I just got back from the game, like, I don't know, maybe 45 minutes ago. It was kind of a rush because you're trying to follow the game. You're trying to write the game story, and then you're, like – the end there was, like, it look, we kind of plan for Ohio State to win this game. That's kind of how you write the piece to get it set. And then as it starts to get closer, I kind of like you start tweaking it like, okay. And then it looked like Akron was going to win. So then everybody in the whole arena was like pretty much assuming that Akron would win. And then it flipped back. And then you go directly to the press conference. And then I came home. So I'm still kind of processing it. I haven't really had the time to look at the box score like slowly. Um, There's a couple of things that stand out, but we'll talk about that. I know at one point of the game, it was was late in the second half. It was aside from EJ Liddell and Zed Key, the whole rest of the team was combining to shoot 27%. Um, I don't remember how deep in the game. It was sometime in the second half. But like literally everybody besides Zed Key and EJ Liddell offensively pretty much sucked today. Yeah, and I mean, to be honest, I don't want to say this as like a matter of factly, but I'm not incredibly surprised by that. I mean, this isn't a team that's going to shoot the ball incredibly well the entire season, right? You have Arns, who's one of the better shooters in the country. He was two for three from three, which, excuse me, I will talk about that later. Um, But outside of Arns and Malachi Branham, maybe, and we didn't see any of Cedric Russell tonight for the most part, these just don't have great shooters on this team. Michi's not known for his three-point shot. Jamari Wheeler is just not really going to try to be that guy all season. You know, Liddell is going to spread it out a little bit, but he had his hands full down low with no Kyle Young and Joey Brunk only playing six minutes. So, you know, it, it, I don't really think that's all crazy surprising. Um, granted, I think they shot worse than they will throughout the – I mean, they shot 28% from three. I, I, that number needs to go up, obviously. But 
I don't think it's too surprising that they struggled, especially in the first game with, you know, getting guys adjusted. Um, you can talk about this maybe a little more. Maybe it was asked in the press conference. Just assuming is absolutely not healthy. He didn't look healthy. He struggled a lot. Um, was that something that you noticed being there? Um, they asked him in the press conference about his minutes and about starting, you know, versus coming off the bench because he, he came off the bench tonight and he still played. Let me look here how many minutes he played. He still played. Um, so he played 15 minutes. He was one of seven shooting. Um, yeah, he looked, he is specifically one of the guys that looked really bad. Um, he just didn't look comfortable at all. His shots were really short. I don't know if that's because like he's not getting much off his legs from his lower half when he's like taking his jumper. Um, but yeah, I mean, Holtman said that he's not healthy yet. He is trying to get back to 100%. But even so, man, he was he was really bad. He was one of seven shooting zero of two from three point. He had three rebounds, um, one turnover, no assists, uh, plus minus of negative one, just a complete non-factor in there. Well, my question now becomes if so, so, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, but this is still his growing injury that he struggled with throughout the tournament last season. Correct. Incorrect. Incorrect. This is a okay. lower, it's a lower leg injury that they did not tell us about until the exhibition last week when he didn't play. They said it's a lower leg, so I don't know if that means ankle, okay. foot, uh, could be a calf maybe. Um, they're not going to tell us specifically what it is, but no, it's separate yeah. from the groin. It's not the groin. Um, it, it's it's something else. I don't know what it is. Obviously, he's been practicing and he felt like he was good enough to play tonight. He just he just looked terrible. And that's your that's the most popular pick for, you know, who's going to be like the second scorer on this team behind Liddell. Suing is the guy that everybody kind of looks to and is like, okay, that's going to be our like 13 point per game scorer there. And um, I mean, he was just I can't say how many I can't say it enough. He looked really bad. Well, that's good to know then, because I had a I had a question about if it was growing. But since it's not, then that's that's irrelevant. But hopefully maybe at this point sit him out against Niagara or something. Maybe they can figure something out. Bowling Green also is not as good of a MAC team as Akron, not even close. So the yeah, next two I mean, games, I, yeah, I, you I can agree. afford I to asked, sit him out the next two games. I, yeah, I, right. I think I, I didn't I didn't tweet that. I didn't ask that at the press conference, but I think I said that in our small group was like, why, I, I, why don't you just sit suing and Kyle Young for the first like three games? Because, I mean, are you, you're probably going to get the same amount of production from like Eugene Brown, who is healthy, who has looked pretty good, you're going to probably get the same amount of production from him in there as you would from suing or Kyle Young, who are playing at like 50%. So like, why not just roll him out there and give Eugene Brown like 25 minutes? Cause you probably will still be, I knock on wood probably will still be Akron Bowling Green Niagara. Even if those guys are out, you think. And the, and the thing is you could argue you know, you say, oh, well, they just beat Akron by one and suing played, but you could very much argue that he hurt the team by playing because he didn't. I would argue that I, after watching him tonight, I think I would rather have Eugene Brown playing those minutes and have him get healthy for like the stretch of Duke Seton Hall and stuff like that. Absolutely. And that kind of brings me to my next point. I don't want to jump around too much, but I am curious. Did anybody ask Chris Holtman or did you notice Eugene Brown only played nine minutes? And it just seems like they were thinking higher of him coming into the season than nine minutes. Asked him. Nobody asked him about Eugene Brown. I I thought about it. Um, the press room was a lot 
the press room was a lot more crowded tonight than it was in the exhibition. Um, I actually, I didn't ask a question, but that was the one that I was thinking of was asking why he didn't play more. Cause he did come in. Um, he played nine minutes. He only took two shots. The one shot he did make, um, it was an offensive rebound off of, I don't remember who missed the shot, but he went up and grabbed the rebound and it wasn't even like a, a tap back. It was like, he got it. He, he, kind of had the ball down low and adjusted his feet and then went straight back up with it above the other guys defending him and scored. So it was like a really athletic, a very good athletic play. Um, and he's a very good defender too. So I don't know why he only played nine minutes tonight, but um, I personally, like like we just talked about, if suing is hurt, you probably will be okay without him for the next two games. Yeah, and it's much more important to have him right for that like you said, that Seton Hall, Florida, Duke, Kentucky stretch because that's when you're going to need them. I mean, this team, from what we just saw from Ohio State and what I'm watching with Duke and Kentucky right now, this team would lose by about 15 to those two teams. And I'm not saying it's going to be the same come mid-November, late November, early December when they play them because obviously this Ohio State team is better than what they played today. I mean, this is a team that's going to be beating Akron by one come March, uh, hopefully. But – um, you need justice suing for those stretch stretch of games, and especially because, like you said, he's going to – I mean, their number two guy today was Zed Key, and Zed Key looked phenomenal. But for throughout most of the year, justice suing, you kind of need him to be that that number uh, that number two guy scoring. So, And him only playing 15 minutes is very evident of that. He's going to be a 30 to 35-minute a guy, guy a game. So, Yeah, your leaders in minutes today were – so you had – um, the guy that played the most is actually Justin Arns, played 34 minutes today. Um, EJ Liddell, I believe, is second there at 30 minutes. Behind him, Jamari Wheeler played 28 minutes. Zed Key played 25 minutes. Michi played 22 minutes. Malachi Branham played 24 minutes. I thought that he played pretty well today. He had the best plus-minus of the whole team. He had plus 10 for when he was in the game. Uh, Justice played 14. Eugene Brown played 9. Joey Brunk played 6 minutes. Barely played in the second half. Cedric Russell played three minutes. Barely played. Period. Um, so that's that's kind of your distribution there. A couple guys just not getting a whole lot of time, but also um, the, the the type of game and the the flow of the game dictates that too. I was a little surprised that Justin Arms played as much as he did based on that game flow. Um, when you're when you're reeling a little bit like they were when you're when you go from being up three to down five all of a sudden. Um, Personally, I probably don't want Justin Arns in the game. Um, I don't want teams to target him to try to score on him, but that's just me, and I'm I'm not a coach. There's more to it than that, but that's just my first thought. Well, I think the reason for having Arns in the game, and I was thinking about this when I was watching the end of it, Arns can always provide you that quick 30-second jolt of six points. You know, if you if you can run him open twice in 30 to 40 seconds and just kind of completely shift the tides of a game. And I think when you have a guy like that, you know, we saw it with John Diebler when he was there. Diebler obviously did it more than Orange does. And the fact that Orange only shot the ball three times, I, I just I wish he would just let the thing rip more. You know, he I think he's just very hesitant to shoot sometimes. And I don't know if it's a coaching thing, whether he just doesn't have the green light. Whether he just, you know, because he's a lefty, maybe his release is off. I don't know. I don't. I'm not a lefty, so I don't. I've never shot a basketball left-handed. I don't know if it's any different. But um, I, I just want to see him be a little more aggressive. Honestly, I just two for three from three-point range, 34 minutes. That's that's just not enough to me. Um, 
he had a few he had a few looks where like he probably could have shot the ball but with a hand in his face like the shots that he made early on those were like wide open those were yeah. off like a off like a pick and roll where he was able to get a wide open shot most of the other looks he would have had the rest of the game were not nearly as wide open you had kind of a guy right in his face but when you're a good like good shooters will shoot with a guy in their face and he's good enough that even with like a defender right in front of him he can still take some of those shots he shouldn't he shouldn't only be shooting the ball when he's got five feet of open space in front of him because you're not going to get that many. Um, no, and you were kind of talking about why why to keep him in. One second here. Um, yeah, no, sorry. He also is such a good shooter that that helps Liddell and Zed Key, I think, because mm-hmm. you have a defender who knows that he can't be more than like six inches away from Arns. So that's that's at least one defender that you know, is going to be pushed out to the perimeter that can't collapse in on, like, Zed Key or Liddell. Yeah, and, and the way you have to guard a three-point shooter is basically, especially a guy like Arns, who, who is kind of a, I call it a cardio three, you know, the guy who will run around and, and get open through double screens and triple screens. You basically have to have a guy trailing him, and you have to have a guy watching him to, if they have to switch over if somebody gets caught up in a screen. So you're basically kind of taking two defenders' attention away from the rest of the team when you have Arn, so he can play that decoy role pretty well. But it's like, it's like you said, if he's only shooting the ball when he's wide open, he's not a freshman or sophomore. He's a senior. Teams know this is one of the better shooters in the country. We're going to put attention on him. He's only going to get two or three of those opportunities a game. He's just going to have to he's going to have to learn to shoot the ball with a hand in his face. And I'm not saying he doesn't at all. You know, we've seen the game where he scored 30 against Iowa. You know, we've seen the game again last year against Iowa for some reason. I think he really likes playing Iowa. He uh, he took over the game and had nine at the end of the game to win to basically win the game. You know he he is a guy who can do it, who can shoot the ball in contested lanes. It's just a game like this. These are the games I want to see him you get fifteen to eighteen points. The Akron's, the Niagara's, the Bowling Greens, and again, like you said, game pace dictates this. And this game was weird because Ohio State never had that huge of a lead. I think their biggest lead was what probably what eight or nine. I mean they never. They never jumped out ahead of Akron. Akron was there the entire way. Um, they had the their eight point lead. lead. Was, their biggest lead was uh, halftime, right? Eight they points. Led, they led by fourteen oh. with two minutes to go before halftime, and then Akron went on a little run there at the end and uh, yeah, I know cut they went, at halftime. I know to end the half and then to start the second half, they went on a fifteen to one run. So that was kind of the the, the big thing there was yes. when Ohio State could have won. Yeah, Ohio State could have yeah, won before half, and then yeah, then eight out the, sec- the beginning of the second half. Yeah, um, so that was when they could have ran away and they didn't. But time will, time will tell. Time will definitely tell. You know, we'll be you'll pay more attention to Akron basketball than I will. Um, my my sister actually goes to Akron, so maybe I'll hear a little bit about them. But time It'll will be tell. Out of hatred, but yes, I will go Kent. <laughs> It'll tell if. Akron's a really good team and like in hindsight you're like in like February you're like oh like Akron's gonna win the Mac and you know that was actually a really good game for Ohio State to have early on or it's gonna be in hindsight like yikes like that's a not a very good team that Ohio State you know I, I just don't know I was not impressed with much of anything that I saw um Liddell was really good Zed Key was really really good Malachi Branham, um, people, they talked about it in the press conference, but the fans probably going to talk about it. That play to end the game was designed to go to Branham, and he made the decision last second to pass to Zed Key. I was going to ask you that if that was a planned play or if he saw Key 
get the seal out and, and if it was an option. So that's, it, was that's pla- interesting. It, it was planned for the ball to get to Brandon at the top of the key. And then yeah. he was going to be able to make the call. You know, most of the time in that situation, you have a guard that will just basically hoist like a fading three pointer. But the, yeah. the plan was to get him the ball at the top and then let him make a play, either take the shot or get it to somebody that's open. Um, and I think that a lot of freshman guards are probably just going to hoist that. Absolutely. And he made an unbelievable pass to get, I mean, <laughs> One of the you, best you, I've if seen. you pass that, you pass that in and that, and, and Akron gets a finger on it and tips it away, game's over. You don't even get a shot off. So he, to have the, the stones to, to pass that into the paint to key, get it right in his hands and give him enough space. I mean, what, like what a pat, what a play. He was really good. And they asked, he played 24 minutes in his first ever college game. And they asked Holtman in the, uh, press conference they're like you know what's he like in crunch time like what what was he like was he did he seem nervous did he seem like overwhelmed and he was just like he just said malachi doesn't get nervous he, he doesn't this, yeah. this kid does not get nervous well in watching the end of that game there was three things that i took away all of them malachi brandon related first of all when they needed two buckets down the stretch with a minute left they went to him twice he got one he missed the second one and zedke got the put back but I mean, he, they wanted the ball in his hand. Not even Liddell. Liddell was still on the floor for these for these plays. They wanted the ball in Malachi Branham's hands. Also, for them to have Jamari Wheeler and Michi Johnson, two good point guards that they trust, I mean, Wheeler being a, a fifth-year senior, or a senior, I don't think he's fifth-year, um, for them to inbound that ball to Branham and let him make that decision, like you said, most freshmen, especially a scorer like Branham, he's catching that ball and he's shooting it. And I'm actually okay with that because Branham's a great shooter. Uh, and he had a little bit of space. It was a good screen. I don't know who set the pin down screen, but whoever did did a good. I think it was Ed Key did a good job. Um, and then, but he he just fired that pass in there, and Zed Key did a phenomenal job of kind of. You see, I've seen a lot of big men catch that ball in that situation, and they kind of biff the layup because they're so like kind of scared or hesitant, or whatever. But Zed did a great job of just you know, kind of going through the right steps and motions and just putting the ball in the basket and then and then celebrating. Because you've seen that a lot of, of guys kind of maybe getting ahead of themselves because that's such a – you're moving so fast in that situation mentally and physically. Yeah, he was uh, – yeah, he was pumped I know up. He said he really I know he said he couldn't breathe, so. <laughs> he probably had no idea what was going on around him. I, I think that – I think Branham's going to be an absolute star. And, like, I usually try to – I try to pump the brakes here on the freshman. Like last year, people were like, Zed Key's going to be like a star. Michi Johnson's just going to be a superstar. Like I'm still, I'm still waiting on both of those guys to like, to really form an opinion on like, are they just going to be like a solid college player? Or are they going to be a stud? Like, I think I've seen enough of Malachi Brandon. Like, I think he's going to be a star. Like, I don't think he's going to play more than like two, maybe three years at Ohio state. I don't think that he's going to play the full four. I think he's going to get drafted at some point. Like he's so good. Yeah. And there's, so looking at the box score, there is something also that stands out here. Maybe you can touch on this a little more. Um, A name that doesn't pop up. We did not see any of Jimmy Soto's. What is your takeaway from that? Just the game? Or do you think maybe he's not in the rotation right now? They play 10 guys. Probably more the second. I truly, I didn't even, I didn't even think of Jimmy Soto's until, you just said that nobody asked about it at the press conference that I remember. Um, I don't, I don't think anybody asked about it. I don't even really remember. He, if he was on the bench, he probably was wearing like the, 
the warm-up jacket and stuff that everybody else is wearing. So he's totally just like an afterthought. Um, he just must be way down the rotation. Um, I don't know if you want your if you want your guards in that can score. Um, yeah, he's not that's that probably guy. More, that's probably more Branham. If you want your guards in that, you know, I mean Branham and Russell. If you want a guard in that's going to handle the ball, it's probably Wheeler. Um, Sotos isn't like the best in either of those things. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to say to that. He's must just be down in the rotation. He's a solid player, but, um, I don't, I don't know. I really don't. And I want to emphasize again, it's hard to take much away from this game because it was the first game. And also it was a game that they, again, they never really jumped out ahead, so they kind of just had to run with what they had and go, okay, let's just win this game and get the hell out of here. Because um, obviously, you know, there's a big difference between beating Akron by one and losing to Akron by one. Um, you know, beating them, it's like, oh, okay. You know, I think this will end up being good for them. It's kind of like there's a saying in golf, the best thing you can do is bogey the first hole because it wakes you up, you know, kind of gets you in the, in, in the mindset. Um, that is, this is for professional golfers, by the way. Most people, yes, bogeying the first hole is a good thing. Uh, but for pro golfers, one of the best because bogeying is not good, but it gets them in the mindset. It wakes them up. It's kind of that wake up call. This might be the wake up call they need. Of like, okay, look, we got to get our we got to get our stuff straight. Obviously, Liddell had to pretty much have one of the better games of his career. He made a couple boneheaded mistakes, um, you know, on those fouls. You just there's just no there's nothing to there's no takeaway from him fouling Ali Ali um, at the end of that game. You know he's going to step back. You know he's going to shoot a three. There's no reason to even be three feet. Honestly, there's no reason to be near him. Um, you know, if he makes it, he makes it. Whatever, you go to overtime. Uh, there's just just no reason to even be near him there. So that that's something I'm sure he's going to lose some sleep over. But you know, they won the game. They move forward. Uh, did you have? It's hard to say because he only played four minutes. He had two fouls and didn't get up a shot. But did you have any takeaway from Cedric Russell today? No, I really didn't. He only played a couple minutes. Um, I remember watching him. Um, with the ball kind of around the free throw, he kind of was dribbling around the, the free throw line a little bit. And instead of taking a contested jumper, he kind of kicked it back out to reset the offense, which um, he hoisted a lot of shots last season when he was playing at um, Louisiana Lafayette. So I think that's a situation where the Russell that we thought we were getting maybe takes an ill-advised jumper there because like maybe he'll hit it he's like he's that good of a shooter but the smart thing to do there is to if it's not a high percentage look to kick it back outside and reset the offense because you still have 10 11 seconds on the shot clock um you know they they don't they don't need him to be an 18 to 20 point scorer this season they need him to be an 8 to 10 point scorer that takes high percentage looks kind of like if you watched um Mike Smith at Michigan last year, he transferred from Columbia where um, he took like 20 shots a game at Columbia and he had to, he took less shots at Michigan. He passed the ball more um, facilitated a little bit more. He still got his, he still got his, he still got to take shots. But when you move from a conference like the Sun Belt to the big 10, you're just, you're not going to get the volume that you used to get. And you need to become a little bit of a different type of guard. Yeah, and I, I said this in our Slack group chat. I think a lot of Ohio State's success this year is going to be determined on what you get from Cedric Russell because there was a part of us that, I mean, just early, the minute that he signed was kind of like, 
I mean, he's a 17 points per game kind of guy who shoots three at a high level, very, very high level, um, you know, which is what Dwayne Washington was. And it was obviously very evident. This game is simply not a one-point game if Dwayne Washington is on this team. It's a 15 to 20-point game. It's just, it's, that's just a fact, honestly. That's just that's not even really arguable um, because they had no backcourt scoring at all. I mean, Michi Johnson and Jamari Wheeler, all of their free, all of their points came from the free-throw line. Malachi Branham had seven points, and he looked good, but but he was three for nine. And um, Eugene Brown was – I mean, he only played nine minutes. So, you know, it, what they get from Cedric Russell I think is going to be key. And, and, look, they don't need it right now, right? They can still win these games with him playing four minutes. But, again, come conference play when that depth plays a huge role. I mean, I've heard a couple people say it already about this high State team before the season. This isn't one of the most talented teams in the country, but it is deep. I mean, they can play 12 guys off the bench. Because you look at probably 13, because you look at they played 10 tonight. Kyle Young didn't play. Obviously, Kyle Young will play a huge role in the future. I think Kyle Young just proved today the War Roberts game and this game just proved how valuable he is to his team. Seth Towns will play at some point. That's number 12. And then Jimmy Soto is number 13. So they'll probably go 13 off the bench at some points in, in the season, um, which, is ex- which is just ungodly deep for a college basketball team, especially in the Big Ten. So that'll be interesting to watch and just see kind of where Cedric Russell actually plays into those 13 guys because at this point, he might be 12th or 13th. Yeah, they they need to get a they need to get a, uh, a second score, which maybe it is Zed Key. It's just that his offensive toolbox is so limited. They need a they need Justice Suing to be what we thought Justice Suing was going to be, or they need Malachi Branham to become like a 10 point per game scorer, like as a freshman, like they're going to need a Seth second Towns to they, get right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what we're ever going to get from Seth Towns. I would love, I would love it if he, you know, went back to being like a stud. I, don't, I just kind of, at this point, I'm kind of out of sight, out of mind of a Seth Towns and whatever we end up getting from him would be a bonus, but they, they need a second guy that they can ride. If something happens to Liddell, they need another double digit score that they can rely on. And tonight, that, you know, there was just the times when he sat out, it was like suing looked bad. Arns is not really going to shoot it unless it's a wide open three. Jamari Wheeler only took three shots. Um, you know, Brandon hit a couple big shots. I almost think that Michi Johnson was like more timid today because he was too aggressive last week. Um, cause, I mean, last week he was just chucking and that was kind of the narrative and the questions that were asked was like, Okay, so do you just do you just have like the green light whenever now? Um, and they somebody said he was Dwayne ish, like kind of comparing him to Dwayne Washington Jr. So I don't know if he was like so aggressive last week that the coaches were like, you got to dial it back a little bit. But he only took three shots tonight. So um, if Ohio State can't get a second shooter, a second scorer behind Liddell that's dependable, this team's not going to be very good. Yeah, and that's everybody's question. You know, who is going to step up behind Liddell tonight? It was Zed Key. Um, and I think it was interesting because Joey Brunk actually looked pretty good in the six minutes he played, but it was just because Liddell and Key were playing so well. There was really no – you can't play Brunk, Key, and Liddell. This is at 1955. So, you know, that just – you know, that just that just doesn't work. I actually was surprised deep in, this, in the game that they didn't have Wheeler, Johnson, and Branham in outside of Orange because Branham can play that three role. He is big enough. But I think, like like we kind of said, Arns just provides such a nice decoy with his shooting or such a nice jolt 
with his shooting, if he does shoot it, that he's kind of valuable. And he's a senior. You know, I know they definitely trust him in late game situations. That was evident with him taking out the ball um, on the final play because obviously whoever does that is very important to the play because they can royally screw it up. Um, so I think that that's something that they do trust arms with. And I think just because he's a senior and he pays, you know, seems like he works hard. I think they understand that he's, he's at least somewhat reliable in, in those late game situations. Um, but like I said, I, I look, they won the game. They already played a close game. They executed down the stretch in a couple of ways. So I, I think at the end of the day, you can take away, you know, you win and move on. Yeah. And I've got the, Kentucky Duke game on, and I've also got our good friends Oral Roberts on right now. They just showed the uh, a re- they just they just showed a replay of the game winning bucket, and you know, kind of hard on Justin Arms sometimes because you know there are areas of his games that the game that is still limited. He's a senior at this point. You'd expect some other areas of his game to have improved, but shout out to Justin Arns, um, another unsung here at the end. He is the one that got the ball in on that final inbounds. Um, he was one, getting attacked. He was getting hounded. No one really pointed one that out. Direct, one direct pass somehow to Malachi Branham, who was already standing at the top of the key, like straight on in a position where Malachi could – he was basically triple threat. He could shoot it if he needed to. He could pass. Um, if Justin – I don't know if Ohio State had any timeouts left, but if Justin Arns doesn't get that pass in and they have to use another timeout, um, you know, Akron kind of changes the defense. Um, or if yeah, they're out of – You can no run that play. If they're out of timeouts, you know, and, and Arns doesn't get the ball in, obviously the game's over. So I just I just watched that back and I didn't realize he was the one that got the ball in. So shout out to Justin Arns for getting the ball in and getting it to a spot where, where, where Malachi was able to make a play. And also shout out for his his defense tonight was um it, it was not terrible. Um I don't I don't think that I, I doubt that you were like focused on Justin Arns defensively, because who would want to do that? But there were several times during the game where Akron went directly at him. Like they pass around to find who was on Arns so they could go at him. And there were definitely a few times where I was like, Oh boy, Oh boy, they they are going to, they're going to end him. And I kind of like wanted to look away and they didn't score. Like he got a body in front of him. He got his hands up, didn't make contact and impacted the shot and they missed. So, um, a work in progress, but there were definitely a few times tonight when I watched and I was like, oh, they're going to they're gonna absolutely shred Justin Arns right now, and they didn't score. I also want to point out, and I know Holtman pointed this out at the end of the game, very, very good job by Michi Johnson. It sounds very dumb to credit this, but for him to get the ball up the court, uh, he caught that ball in the corner when they inbounded it with six seconds left, put his foot down, and just sprinted to the half-court line in about two and a half seconds to get the timeout in. If he if it takes him any longer to do that, they can't run that play. They have to shoot a shot. They have to do a catch and shoot situation. So, because um, I mean, Zed Key put that up and in with point two seconds left. So they needed every second they got and every half second, every millisecond they got, and Michi gave them that. So um, I mean, credit to him for just you know, credit to him for doing what he's supposed to do. I guess is, is the best way to word it. Um, and then just some other, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap this up here, but just a couple quick notes about the first night of college basketball. Uh, around the Big Ten, Indiana beat Eastern, Eastern Michigan by six. Kansas beat Michigan State by 13. Kansas looks really good. Uh, Maryland beat Quinnipiac. Illinois beat Jackson State. But Nebraska lost to Western Illinois. So a tough start. 
um, in Lincoln, as we kind of always say. It's going to be different this year. It's not going to be different this year. Nebraska stinks. Um, one of the conferences that had a fantastic day was, in fact, the MAC. Um, obviously, we know Akron almost beat Ohio State. They did not, but they almost did. But right now, Northern, uh, Northern Illinois is beating Washington, so we'll see if that result holds. By the time you're listening to this, we'll see. Ohio beat Belmont. Toledo beat Valparaiso. Miami of Ohio beat Georgia Tech. And Bowling Green lost in overtime. And um, Central Michigan almost beat Missouri. So the Mac had an absolutely fantastic opening day. So maybe, you know, maybe the Mac's just a little better than we're giving them credit. Maybe I I don't want to play not. another Mac. I don't want to play another Mac school, but we're gonna do it next Monday. Yeah, Bowling I was Green. Say, we will come literally about five days. So. <laughs> Unfortunately, Bowling Green, is, so. Bowling Green is just simply not as good as Akron, though. So it'll actually be kind of a decent gauge to see where where the team is then. I don't think that we are going to have an episode before that or Niagara. Um, we don't really have time to preview all of that, but short end of the stick, they're both games Ohio State should win. Greg Paulus is the coach. 20. Greg Paulus coaches Niagara, was an OSU assistant, obviously was uh, played at Duke for a while. Um, Jardy told us that he thinks that Niagara team is going to be pretty solid, so hopefully we don't have another game like this where they really push Ohio State. But Adam Jardy said that he thinks that Niagara is pretty good, so we may have ourselves another close game there with Niagara. Um, I don't know anything about Bowling Green, but regard they're both games Ohio State needs to win. You cannot, you can't lose those games. Yeah, and my last comment on that is just like it's kind of interesting with Akron because I do think come February we'll look back on this game and Akron might be, you know, top of the MAC and you know we'll look go oh, okay maybe that was a decent you know job to pull that game out. Bowling Green's not that team. They just lost their best player in Justin Turner. He was pretty much everything they had last season. Um, and Niagara is just they don't have the guys, you know, they don't have the the depth or anything to run with Ohio State. So those two games are much different than Akron. I mean, you said it yourself um, when Coleman said it, he said this is the toughest opener they've had and they've opened with Cincinnati. So I don't know if that's him dissing Cincinnati, forgetting about Cincinnati or that's how high he thinks of this Akron team. But um, I would go to third. Um, Bowling Green does have one guy who. Let me see if I can pull up on sports reference. Was picked first team on Mac, Dequan Plowden. He's a guard. Last season, he averaged 13 points per game. So, yeah, I do remember Justin Turner being like a really, really good player for Bowling Green. Bowling Green picked to finish sixth in the Mac. Akron was picked to finish fifth in the Mac. Yeah, but that fifth was a little bit interesting because it had them behind Kent and Toledo. And I do not think Akron will finish behind Kent or Toledo. I, th- I think they'll finish second. Buffalo is a stud, as they always are, but I think they'll be second behind them. Okay, we'll see. Well, Who knows? We'll, it, it's, we'll, it's November. We'll talk about we'll talk about those next week because by next Thursday we'll have the Niagara game in the books, the Bowling Green game in the books, and I'm trying to look at the schedule to see if there's a third game after that. Um, no, no, that'll see, be it. See they play, they play that Xavier Friday. that day, so oh Xavier that day, right? They play Xavier next Thursday, so we'll have two games to recap and maybe a little bit of a – we can talk about talk about Xavier because actually Niagara was playing at Xavier tonight. Um, that game should be over. We can probably find the score for that real quick. Uh, also, Navy just beat Virginia, so it could be worse. Whoa, whoa okay. Um, 
it could be worse, folks. It could, it could be a Let lot worse. See. Also, while you find that, I do want to point out something, too, and Coltman mentioned it. This was an interesting game because Holtman and John Grossi are very, very close. Uh, they were college teammates. Holtman was his first assistant, Grossi's first assistant, when he got hired at OU. So Grossi knows Holtman. Um, so is, this was also one of those games like that. It is just gross. It, you pronounce it just like, ew, that's gross. I like Grossi. I'm going to keep saying that. <laughs> um, where, is the, <laughs> where is the game I'm looking for? The game that I'm looking for, oh, is Xavier, is Xavier ranked? They're not ranked, so they're not going to be in the ranked pile. They're going to be the Big East. Let's see here. I also Let's want to point out something. I did the preview for Langer and Holy Land, and I predicted Akron have 66 points. I might what did you predict Ohio State to have? I might have <laughs> predicted Ohio State to have 84. But, I, you know, hey, one out of two is not bad. Xavier beat Niagara by three points tonight. Also, that's a bummer because I've met John Gross and I've definitely said a couple times and I've definitely said Coach Grossy. So that he's never corrected me. So that's weird. Oh, Maybe he just goodness. hates me. No, he was a really nice guy. I'm trying to see. He, he here, is super so. nice. He is a very nice guy. Xavier, come on now. Um, yeah. Niagara had a three pointer with one second left to cut it from six to three. So it looks like it was a close one, but. Um, Xavier beats him by three. Um, yeah, we don't need to go into depth too much about that. But, yeah, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Holtman and, and John Gross are, are really good friends, and they played college basketball together at Taylor, which is an NAIA school. Um, and there, you know, he was on Gross's staff, and then um, he went to Butler, and they've crossed paths. They've played each other a few times, but they were college teammates, and then – John Gross hired Chris Holtman as an assistant at OU and their college coach, their college coach, um, Paul Patterson from Taylor passed away about a month ago. And this game was really special for both of those guys. Um, there were a lot, there were a lot of people at the game with purple Taylor t-shirts, a lot of people for this matchup. Um, Paul Patterson had Alzheimer's, um, which is also very close to me. My, I was really close to my grandfather. He had Alzheimer's as well. He passed away when I was in college. Um, John Gross in the press conference talked about his own grandfather also had Alzheimer's. So if you don't have a family member who's had Alzheimer's, you definitely know somebody who's been through it. And it's, it's absolutely brutal. And when they asked, they actually asked Holtman about, they asked both coaches what it meant to them to be able to um, come together and, and play this game and have all those people in the stands with Taylor t-shirts and um, just kind of honor their college coach. And w- when they asked John Gross, he gave a really good answer about Alzheimer's and how many great men and great coaches, but just great men in this world have really struggled with Alzheimer's. And when they asked Holtman, um, he like, I've never seen, he didn't have an, an, he didn't even have an answer for the question. Like that's how much, this meant to him and how much that man meant to him. He, he really like did not have an answer. He sat there and tried to like collect himself for, for it was like 30 seconds. Everybody in the press conference just kind of sat there and looked at him like, are, are we going to get an answer or not? And then he just said, you know, he just said, John is John, you know, coach gross is a very good friend of mine. And he said, I really, really, really wish that coach Patterson could have been here for this game tonight. And that was the whole answer he gave. And it took like a minute just to get that because he had to take a lot of time in between to sit there and try to stay composed because his eyes were, you know, getting wet and stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, I like you, I've lost both my grandfathers, both had Alzheimer's before they passed. It, it is something that obviously very affects you. It affects you very deeply, everybody around them as well. Um, also, if you've never, one of the coolest traditions in college basketball is at Taylor University. Just Google Silent Night Taylor University. It's, it's very, very cool. So that's just a quick plug at the end here. On that positive note, that is pretty much all we've got for you. We have absolutely milked this Akron game for as Everything much as we possibly has. could. Yeah. Um, if you are finding this on the website, make sure to also um, subscribe wherever you get your music and podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, whatever you use. Um, also, make sure to follow our Twitter account. It is at BucketheadsLGHL. And follow our main website's Twitter account, which is at LandGrant33. Um, we will be dropping new episodes every Thursday throughout the whole season. Um, Justin, where can people follow you? Yeah, you can find me at Justin underscore Golba. Also, if you're finding us, make sure to leave a nice review. Uh, Five-star reviews are very helpful in terms of just growing popularity, and that means we can have more people on that you want to listen to. We've already had Joey Lane from Drive the Pod and obviously – or from Drive the Lane and and obviously uh, High State Basketball, Kevin Sweeney from Sports Illustrated. Adam Jardy from the Columbus Dispatch, and obviously we've had Chris Holtman, your men's head basketball coach, um, on our pod. So we're trying to do big things. So leave us nice reviews so we can. Yeah, let us. Yeah, let us know that we're not just talking out of the void. It's always nice when somebody leaves a review or responds to the Twitter, so that we know that we're not just yelling into a dark hole here about basketball. Um, if you want to follow me, I'm at Lamonds underscore Connor. That is pretty much all we've got for you today. We'll be back next week to talk about Bowling Green and Niagara. But until then, you guys have a great weekend. Go Bucks! Beat Purdue.